When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the podcast that always sees the ass half full. <laughs> Not mine, man. <laughs> <laughs> Empty, dry as a bone. Dry. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> no bone. Dry oh, as no bone. I wish. I'm Mike Johnson. <laughs> I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today. Today, we're going to talk about debt. Yeah, that's fun. We have some <laughs> good news, everybody. <laughs> going to be a real. We suck at money. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some guests on that know a lot about uh, queer stuff and money stuff. So they're going to help us out. Is Susie Orman a lesbian? Dan is shaking. I didn't know if I just assumed that or if I knew for sure. <laughs> like sometimes I have to be like, is she a lesbian? Lesbian or does she just have that hair? You know, this might be our our. This is our Susie Orman episode. Yes, this is our Susie. Oh, man, I love her. She's so smart. <laughs> she, I want her to be president. Didn't she also do something real dumb? I forget. I thought we canceled oh, her for some reason. Shit. Uh, we'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> but first. But first. <laughs> um, a, a quick piece of feedback. Correction? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I don't know. Um, a dude reached out to me on Scruff. <laughs> For, are we sourcing corrections from Scruff <laughs> yeah. now? Just to say hi, he said he found me because of the app makeover episode. Oh. At, but then hesitated to reach out because of the celebrity episode. <laughs> so I just wanted to be clear. I love hearing from listeners and hi is okay. The not okay is the here's my dick. <laughs> in like... Actually, I like I like dick dick pics too. That's not even what I mean. Hmm. I don't know what I mean. I I have been like so. Don't talk to me. I think that it's gone to the other end. If you want to say something nice to me, great. I may not reply to you. I may not have the energy to reply to you. And if you send me three messages in a row without me replying, that's too much. But like people can say hi or say what's up or yeah. Don't be hesitant to reach out. Uh, be hesitant for me. Really think about it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, Time for the news? <laughs> news. The number of your news theme songs that sound like you're being choked <laughs> checks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, news the first. So... Oreo cookies. Ooh, I had just <laughs> what? I, like accidentally hawked up some stuff oh, when I did that. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Uh, Oreo cookies, great. Yep. Oh, man, I want to be double stuffed. Well, Here apparently we they want you to be double stuffed also Aww. because Oreo cookies has come up with a beautiful new commercial that is LGBT plus affirming in which uh, a a is it a girl? Hold on. So Oreo has this ad that shows a lesbian couple and one of them comes out to her dad who is then kind of a jerk at first, but then um, it shows the lesbian couple doing things in their life and being happy and then ends with the father painting the picket fence the colors of the rainbow uh, and he says, uh, I love you to his daughter, which... So now I want to buy Oreos? Yeah, well... Okay, so one million moms are threatening Great. to boycott Oreo <laughs> and its parent company Mondelez for a heartwarming advertisement that dares to show queer children in loving homes. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, the 
Monica Cole, who represents the million moms for this particular fuck up, <laughs> says um, that Oreo is brainwashing children and adults and that Oreo is going after our children. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just go eat some Oreos, everybody. Like if there was ever a better reason to just give <laughs> into your quarantine 15 or 20 or 50, whatever. So like, when I bought a pack of Oreos and ate half the thing in one sitting a couple weeks ago, it was because I'm a good queer person. Great. Yep. Great, great, great. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, also included in their proposed boycott are other brands that are under that same umbrella. Oreo, Belvita, Chips Ahoy, Cadbury Dairy Milk, Honeymade, Halls, Philadelphia. Isn't it Nabisco? Ritz, Sour Patch Kids, Triscuit, Trident Gum, and Wheat Thins. In this case, it's Mondelez, which I... Oh, that's the parent company? Yeah, huh. they, but they might be owned by Nabisco because RJR Nabisco owns everything there's like five companies that own everything yeah absolutely anyway eat some oreos kids great uh news the next um will be a quick one if you're in the united states and have been paying attention uh or if you're just international because everyone pays attention internationally (laughs) um the proud boys which are a far right white supremacy group um Donald Trump refused to denounce them at his appearance at the debate with Joe Biden. And told them to stand by. Stand back and stand by was the best he could muster in in terms of a denouncement. And then uh, Proud Boys immediately started trending on Twitter and and they took his non-response as fuel for their cause. Anyway, so then George Takei uh, of gay Star Trek pride... (laughs) Um, said that he thought that this was a perfect opportunity to troll Trump by promoting the idea that Proud Boys should be, that their hashtag should be taken over by queer people. His tweet said, quote, I wonder if the BTS and TikTok kids can help LGBTs with this. What if gay guys took pictures of themselves making out with each other or doing very gay things, then tagged themselves with hashtag Proud Boys? I bet it would mess them up real bad. And it did and it has. <laughs> And then, but then I also got to see the confusion of people being like, don't you know what Proud Boys is? It's like, no, 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 I know, I'm subverting. Like, yeah. you know, the, that, like, confusion that was kind of weird, but in general. Yeah, is your is your gay street cred so thin that people would think you would suddenly start supporting them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. I hope not. Um, and then a lot of the pictures and, and videos and memes and tweets uh, being sent out are adorable. Um, yeah, anyway. Did I, okay, I read something that I did not trust it and don't know if it's satire or not that they then moved over to another hashtag. Leatherman. There's something like that that I was like, I don't even, I don't know about that, yeah. but I read this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that, that happened. Seems, yeah. Even. Maybe. I don't know. It was definitely a rumor. Yeah. We'll see. I, I'm going to guess no. Cool. This is where we guess the news. We speculate on the news. Yep. Yep. <laughs> cool. Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. Um, last but not least, news the last. 28-year-old singer Sam Smith has been booted off the mobile dating app Hinge because they thought he was catfishing. He <laughs> looks too much like himself and got turned in by a number of users that led Hinge to shut down his profile. Wait. I thought Sam Smith was non-binary. Am I thinking of someone else? Did I say his? Yeah. Damn it. 
Yeah, he's they. They. <laughs> he's not they. They are they. Everything everything that I said before, if I said a he or a his, I meant they. Um, they were on Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live, and Smith told the story, quote, I joined this dating site called Hinge in the UK, and they chucked me off of it after one night because they thought I was a catfish pretending to be me. <laughs> then Andy Cohen joked that Smith should consider using Tinder instead, as he could help them get verified on the app. I need to, they said, so I'm going to do Tinder. And then, um, <laughs> so then after the interview aired, Hinge added him saying, them. damn it. You're not even listening, are you? You're just listening for pronouns. I, no, I am listening. I'm doing both. Multitasking. Sorry, Sam Smith. We know you're too good at goodbyes, but give us a second chance at finding you or Andy Cohen, someone special. We will verify your profile. Winky emoji. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I remember we talked to. Uh, I want to be that famous. Oh my god, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, we talked to Davey Wavy about this, and and he was talking about like how he had to like prove it sometimes by being like, "I'll send you a message from my official uh, uh, Instagram account to confirm I am in fact me." I would not believe that if I was talking. To, like, there are certain people who'd be like, "You're definitely not this person." Yeah. There was once where I actually it was not a famous person; it was just someone that was too hot to be like talking to me, yeah. and I was like, "Okay, prove it. Like, send me this specific kind of picture." And then he did it, and I was like, "Oh." Well, now this is just uncomfortable. Like this, that wasn't a good lead into now. I, I thought I was like, I got you. Yeah. But then it was like, oh, cool. So what the fuck or what's the deal? Yeah. And how did that work out? Well, okay. Then later I found out he's an OnlyFans. We've never met up. Then later I found out he's an OnlyFans. So then I was wondering if that was a very indirect marketing campaign, mm. which I could see that being a thing. Okay. Mm. I'd buy that. I'd also buy that they just wanted to fuck. Maybe. Not me. <laughs> well, that's the news. That's the news. Um, uh, I will mention before I say the Patreons, uh, a couple events, things, queer things coming up. Uh, Ace Week is the 25th through the 31st. So for Aces, you get a full week out of the year. Seven days out of the year, you can be an ace. Otherwise, I don't know. Um, and Intersex Awareness is on the 26th. Uh, so happy Ace Week, happy Intersex Awareness Day. Um, we are aware of of all of you now. Great. Uh, Patreon members. Sure, yeah. Um, I want to thank the Patreon members, uh, Michael Hogan, which I like. Like he used lowercase letters. I just like to think that the way people format is their actual name. Okay. Like that'd be cool to have like all lowercase, like Katie Lang style. Um, just Bap. Just Bap. Which I but then do I am I supposed to say Bap? Is it just I don't know. B-A-P? B-A-P. Uh, gray, with an A if if you care. Gray, G-R-A-E? Why? G-R-A-Y. Yeah. G-R-E-Y. No. Great. It's it's J-R-E-Q. Okay. <laughs> it's pronounced gray. Uh, Tim, the friendly neighborhood bear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I love it. I know. I got some honey for you. Uh, and George. George. Yeah. Is it George from Grey's Anatomy donating from the dead? He's so dead. (laughs) 007. Although, whenever I watched Grey's Anatomy and saw him on the screen, I would always shout Alamo. Great. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kyle. Is that our Polari word of the week? (laughs) 
did me stopping and staring at you like clue you off oh just, I, it legit worked because i was like wait is tr knight from texas like, <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't yeah. remember that T- like, do you say tr knight yeah, isn't that his name? Yeah, yeah, it is. I heard something else. Um, yes, Alamo is a Polari word that means I'm hot for you. It's an exclamation. Um, it is. It originates from LMO. So it's like saying that, the abbreviation, like making it into a word. LMO stands for lick me out. Oh, God. <laughs> so if... if LMO. <laughs> remember the alamo remember yeah. i'm hot for you yeah right uh that's what i learned in texas history <laughs> class anyway oh thanks to our patreon members uh if you want bonus content then go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast and thanks for everyone who supports us yeah yep thank you yep yep what's wrong with you what's up dan Sorry, uh, just like, you know, following along, making sure that that Leatherman thing is actually satire, and it is. Suzorman is definitely gay and Great. lives on an island with her partner, blah, blah, blah. But I looked up LMO, and Urban Dictionary says that it's pronounced Elmo and is a girl that is <gasps> extremely hot but has zero ass. <laughs> I learned so much. I feel weird about that one. Uh, okay, do you want to talk about debt? Let's talk about debt. First, first, I just want to say, okay, I am out of it as fuck. Oh. And I'm going to have fun listening to the episode later because I don't <laughs> know what's coming out of my face. This is not related to debt. You are not out of debt. That is not what you just meant. Yeah, no, I hurt my back. I'm on a bunch of pills. It's great. Mm. But you seem legit. Oh, well, thank you. I have felt not legit already many times. And we're like just during the, oh, Okay, cool. <laughs> it's going to be a Kyle-heavy episode, so if you don't like that, sorry. Debt. Debt. Uh, yeah, we were going the to... The opposite of money. <laughs> yeah, that was my first bullet, actually. <laughs> actually, I really want this to be a Mike-heavy episode. Okay, great. Um, uh, we're going to have uh, the debt-free guys who do a podcast called the Queer Money Podcast on in a little bit. But I wanted to tell you one thing first. Okay. I really enjoyed this in a bad way um, because, or I guess I'll start with what stereotype do you have of gay people and money? The stereotype is that gay people buy all the things so that they look great <laughs> or hot or like they have their shit together. But they can't afford it, and they accomplish that by racking up huge amounts of credit card debt. Mm. I think that's closer to the truth than the the thing that I've heard uh, about the stereotype is that gay people tend to be wealthier um, mm. because you know you don't have kids, or you know the gays that like have na- yeah, it's like they have nice things and and uh, anyway, but both things can be true. Like uh, gay people as a cohort might have more disposable more income, income, maybe. Yeah, 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 uh, but. That, but spend it yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, interestingly, the Supreme Court oh. <laughs> waited on this. Uh, this is in a article in the Atlantic called "The Myth of Gay Affluence" uh, by Nathan McDermott in 2014. Okay. Which this is a really good article. It basically answers this question that we're going to talk about. So, if you don't want to listen to us blabber, go just read that. Um, but then you have to read, and it's a whole thing. Okay. Um, in a uh, 1996 uh, Supreme Court case, Scalia gave a dissenting opinion about uh, uh, something about like homophobia or whatever um and in that dissenting opinion 
he said that gay people have a quote high disposable income mm. and he said that it gives them a quote disproportional political power uh, to achieve not merely a grudging social tolerance but full social acceptance of homosexuality so okay his argument is that gays have enough money that that i guess there's no homophobia like yeah that's it's it's rare that we can pinpoint a supreme court justice who said the stereotype uh, probably without proof but like use the stereotype in their opinion yeah well and was he drunk maybe (laughs) (laughs) who knows if only we could ask him now um he so was that maybe a warning like was that i'm a little confused by the statement i guess like it, it, it sounded to me like you should be afraid of the gays because they have enough money to buy acceptance. No, 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 no. Um, uh, so it's, they have enough political money gives them political power, which means they have achieved social acceptance. Like basically trying to say that we shouldn't be like one of the disadvantaged, you know, minorities or whatever, like Uh protected minorities because we have enough money basically. Okay. Which that, that is a, an assumption um, or a stereotype that people make. Um, and I think it is based on the fact that when you, we talk, I mean, similar to that masculinity episode where you, when you picture a gay person, somehow gay, cis, white, gay, 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 double gay, uh, Mm. men are who you picture and then have the kind of anything that they seem to represent. People assume that about all gay people, even when it's not true. So, so, Nathan McDermott in the article said something that I really liked. Uh, he said that the number of self-reported gays and lesbians living in poverty is rising. That's not the part I like. Um, mm-hmm. But what he said is progress isn't making gays and lesbians poor, though, but it is allowing more people to acknowledge their sexuality. So it makes sense that people in if you're more affluent, you're more likely to be out and this is kind of what we talk about where if you're if you have money people don't give a shit like you can do you can do some weird things like being gay yeah um but so more and more people in you know red states in smaller areas people who might have more poverty can now come out so like the average income is actually making it look like we're getting poorer when really it's just more reflective of reality as more people can come out yeah Okay. So um, we need to recognize that the stereotype isn't true and um, and that cis gay white men tend to have a disproportionately higher income and are more fortunate. And there's another time where we kind of, once we started getting our rights, left behind a yeah. lot of others in the queer community. We're like, bye, I'm going to go with this money and buy a nice house. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Being in IT, I see a lot of gay people floating around with really good jobs but like i want it is a not stereotypically gay job in my mind i agree it seems i don't know too bro-y or something yeah. bro grammars yeah. yeah like um, te- yeah but yeah I, I i wonder what like there's the correlation versus causation question in all of that right like is it cities are typically more liberal and typically have more queers and that typically have better jobs like yeah well i mean uh, there are a bunch of reasons that play into queer people and and money issues and actually that's one of the kind of the downsides is if you are more likely to flock to a big city where it's liberal and you're more accepted 
like San Francisco, then you have to spend more, like it costs more to live there. So like that's, that's a, a downside things. If you're trying to have a kid and you know, you're a gay couple, you may have to spend a lot more than straight people who can just like bloop. Mm-hmm. Jizz, mm-hmm. baby, free baby, free baby. <laughs> um, you know, if you're not allowed to until recently, like uh, uh, file taxes jointly, then it may cost more. Like, there's just a lot of shit that if you think about all these different factors to being gay, that kind of add up more. Uh, we're more likely to be kicked out of our homes and be homeless, and you know that brings down our average income. There's just a bunch of well, we're more uh, can be fired from our jobs for being gay. Not anymore. Maybe maybe I don't for know. now <laughs> for, yeah um so yeah there's just all these different factors that play into why we on average actually have less income yeah cool great that was fun but we'll talk more about that with uh david and john from the queer money podcast this is your your oh. line so should we That's, take a break? Uh, do, you, uh, do you have more? <laughs> do, you, do you have more you wanted to say? I was trying to cue you up. I don't know. I feel like I'm floating. <laughs> <clears throat> if if we take a break, I will be indebted to you. Oh, you already are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. 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 This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. We're back. (laughs) We are here with David and John, uh, the debt-free guys from the Queer Money Podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Welcome. Okay. We're talking about... uh, (laughs) That sounds ominous. I'm a little scared now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a little bit heavy and serious topic for us. We're talking about debt and, and money in the gay community. To get us started, to help our audience kind of understand who you are and why you're experts. Oh, well, first I'll say when I was like doing some research, I usually do research on the topic before and I was looking up stuff and like all the articles I found were either written or referenced you guys. So I I was like, I just stopped. I was like, okay, we're just going to have you on to talk about it. So (laughs) that made it easier for me. But I thought we'd start with just you telling us your story because I think it very much plays into why you talk about finances. Sure. So uh, John and I uh, were, um, like many gay couples, uh, we got together uh, in our mid-30s. We're in our puppy love phase, um, our honeymoon phase, whatever you want to call it, Um, really enjoying our lives and living fabulously and trying to live as fabulous as we could, especially trying to impress each other so that we'd get the hook deeper in. Uh, And (laughs) uh, we were uh, on vacation one uh, weekend, we went up to the mountains in Colorado to visit a friend of John's. And we were up there, fell in love with a town that we both had been to before, and decided on the way out of town on Sunday to stop and look at property. We thought, this is the perfect town for us to buy land and build a vacation home. Mm-hmm. We hopped in the car and started driving back down the mountains to Denver, Colorado. And we went from this amazing conversation of how fun it would be to buy land and build a vacation home to maybe we couldn't afford that. Maybe what we could afford is to buy something that was already there. Closer Mm -hmm. got to Denver. Mm, Maybe we can't afford that. Maybe we could afford to rent long-term and we're like, Nope, can't afford that. And then we pull up in front of our place. And it was at this point that John and I kind of looked at each other and said, Holy crap, we're financial messes. (laughs) And we, got our bags out of the car, opened up the door, walked 
down a flight of stairs into a basement apartment that is so dark in the wintertime that you don't even know what time of day it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. We literally were living both figuratively, financially, and physically in a hole. And (laughs) that's when we confessed to each other that between the two of us, we had $51,000 in credit card debt. Mm -hmm. And the crazy and sad part about this is that John and I both worked in financial services on a daily basis. We were talking to people, encouraging them, save money for retirement, save money for a rainy day, have an emergency savings account, do spend less than you make. All of that kind of information was coming out of our mouths, but was not sinking in to what we were doing with our own lives. And that was our aha moment. I mean, doctors make the worst patients, they say. So (laughs) maybe. (laughs) The Calvers kids have no shoes. (laughs) It's interesting you mentioned, like, you were still trying to impress each other, even though you were dating. You said get the hook in further, Um, (laughs) which is really interesting. Why do you think that was the case that although you were together, that you're still trying to impress each other? Well, I think it, we, this happened about a year and a half into our relationship. So I think we were a little bit more solid in our relationship. But um, I had never been in a relationship longer than three years. So I don't really know what I thought getting the hook in deeper actually meant. And I knew that... Um, I, Evidently, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that I wanted to be with him. Um, and my whole expectation all along, our relationship was that surely to God, his finances can't be as bad as mine are. I've got to be the anomaly here. We'll stick together. I won't tell him anything that he doesn't need to know sooner than he needs to know it. And then at some point we'll figure it out. It'll all work out. So this particular drive, we were locked in a car with each other going 75 miles an hour most times. 65. 65. 65. (laughs) And it's important. we, We had to have the conversation. There was really no other option. But yeah, I mean, I think we just, we wanted to, we felt that we needed to impress each other um, so that the other would stay with each other. But I mean, that was happening with our friends as well, right? We always felt like we had to live a certain standard of live have have a certain standard of living um, so that we could have, keep our friends, right? We didn't want to be ostracized from them as well. It's interesting that I hadn't thought about this until you were talking about this of, you know, keeping something hidden. Like we're all used to keeping something hidden or most of us right. being gay and well, we were, most of us are really good at it. And yes. so kind of putting on a facade is like something we, we actually have on straight people. Um, so I didn't think about, we, we, we talk about a lot that, that you come out about a lot of things, not just being gay, but uh, do you think, does that, am I, am I reaching or are, does that at all connect to why you kept that part secret? No, uh, it, it's, it's actually very truthful for why we kept that. And I think that we saw lots of parallels uh, with that uh, in our friends group at the time. You know, at the time we were hanging out with uh, uh, doctors and lawyers, and we also had friends who were on the other end of the income spectrum who were uh, in retail and service, Um, and then all those in between, including ourselves. And when you looked at our friends group, we all spent the same way. We all did the same things together. Uh, We all went to the same vacations, went to the same bars and restaurants, happy hours. Clearly, there were some of us who could afford that much more so than the others. Um, but nobody ever said no. We all were doing that because we didn't want to be left out. So I think it's uh, not only was were we doing this in our individual relationship, but lots of us are doing this um, with all of our relationships. And sometimes I think this even spreads out to our 
our, our family, right? Especially if our family didn't accept us when we were younger, because now we're older, we have all this stuff. You must love me. You must, you must accept me. And if I'm really lucky, hopefully you're jealous of me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Using money to kind of combat insecurity makes a lot of sense in the gay community. Absolutely. You know, one of the things you mentioned coming out, uh, it's one of the things John and I encourage folks to do is to come out about your money. When you start to tell the truth about your financial situation, it's amazing the weight that comes off of you because you'll start to make better decisions, or at least you'll start to trigger the process of thinking about making better decisions. Um, but kind of also going back to what John was talking about, oftentimes when people hear our backstory about us going to, to on vacations and putting that on credit cards, going out to happy hours that lasted until two o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, that, that was never an hour long. They always went on and on and on or <laughs> dropping a hundred dollars a piece on brunch on Sundays. We, we get this, oh, well, I'm not that kind of gay, right? I'm not, I don't. And what's so funny is we, we have worked with people uh, of all different kinds of uh, income spectrums and walks of life. And they all seem to have a similar way of dealing with the the life that they're in. We know a couple gay couple who have two children have been driving themselves into debt because they have to have fabulous birthday parties and send their kids to the birthday parties with the best presents. It is not, mm -hmm. they don't have the gay lifestyle that we have. They have a different gay lifestyle. They're just making, they're just making choices trying to impress other people with what they have or what, the way they represent or present themselves. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There is, I mean, there is the stereotype that gay people are, have nice homes and, you know, have perfectly decorated homes and are very fastidious and well-dressed. And there's that, that image that I think, well, I, unrelated to money i often feel bad about myself because i don't know how to dress myself and i have <laughs> shitty clothes and so like i don't and then i'm like well i'm i'm no queer eye for the straight guy kind of person so yeah i think i don't know i just i wonder where that um kind of came from that we have to be clean and neat and put together and well dressed john and i look back at um at who we are at, or who we were growing up uh, and I was raised in a very conservative household, very religious, very conservative household. So on a regular basis, I was hearing it from my parents. I was hearing it from my church. I was hearing it from people at school, my teachers on and things that I wrote or read that I wasn't a good person because I was gay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was always looking for some way of saying to myself, I am a good person and proving to others, I am a good person. And if I don't fix that on the inside, I find ways to put layers and layers of it on the outside so that people can't see me on the inside. Mm. And in America, especially, the easiest way for us to do that is to buy shit we don't need to impress people we don't even like, right? Mm. That's what we do. We, we want everybody to think that we're okay. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to look amazing yeah. and and on credit if necessary absolutely yeah. prudential studies showed that lgbtq people especially gay men typically have uh considerably more debt than the general population hmm. and a lot of that probably has to do with trying to, to sort of uh add those layers do you happen to know like uh, off the top of your head like by what kind of a margin do you know what that was so the the study specifically um was highlighting 
couples who had at least one child versus the general population, and they had roughly 20% more credit card debt, 93% more student loan debt. Damn. So we're, as couples, they're taking on more, more, mon- uh, more debt to get their education, and then they're also using more debt to finance the lives that they want to have. Yeah, and speaking of coming out, I mean, b- part of the decision-making process is, in addition to being like physically safe and mentally ready, is like if you're in school and your parents are paying for it, and you might get, you know, kicked out. Like, you, I don't know. Like, finances can play a big role in that those decisions. Or if if it's not something you consider, or you are outed, or you know, decide to come out, what have you, you can be put at, at a disadvantage financially depending on, on how people react. So I thought about that when you're talking about like student debt, like more, more gay people may have to take on the debt for themselves. Right. Yeah, that is a trend that we have seen is that uh, the queer community uses their student loan debt as the launch pad out of the house. Uh, for many of them, they haven't come out and or they haven't come out completely in the way that they would like. And so they know that they need to be away from the home, maybe away from a church, away from other family members to start living their true selves. And one of the easiest ways to do that, because banks and the federal government will basically you give you a blank check to live and work, or, I mean, sorry, live and go to school anywhere. So they take that and they just run with it, not knowing what the true consequences are. Yeah. I think that if you are in a position where you you think money would be at risk if you came out, like stay in the closet and really exploit that as much as you can until you're ready. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with getting your homophobic shitty parents to pay for your school <laughs> and then being like, cool, bye. super gay, bye. <laughs> Thanks for that. Bye. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. there's nothing wrong with being a caterpillar a little bit longer, that yeah. bigger wings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we talked about you understanding and coming out to each other about the debt that you were in uh what do you do from there and how did that you know what what can our audience who may be in a similar position learn from that and do for themselves yeah so uh the, one of the very first things that um we did and i say we meaning david did it um he <laughs> got together an excel spreadsheet and grabbed all of our statements uh from every single account that we have um, credit cards, uh, checking accounts, savings accounts, everything. And he itemized all of our expenses, every single expense for an entire year. Cause we wanted to see, uh, you know, where is all of our money going? Um, cause you know, we knew how much we earned per year and suggested that we should be doing considerably better. And, uh, we didn't know exactly where all our money was going. So he itemized all of our expenses and first that just blew our minds away. We, we would have told you at, uh, had we prior to this exercise, what was our quality of life? And we would have said, eh, it was okay. But if you, when you looked at our expenses I and mean, the amount of money we were spending on alcohol, amount of money we were spending on going out on travel, I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. And it was considerably more than what we were earning at the time. And a, a, a perverted example of the, the discrepancy is there were weeks where we were spending $400 on groceries, you know, going to the grocery store and bringing back home that in theory we were going to cook for ourselves. Um, but then we were also spending $400 a week going out dining out. Hmm. Um, and, and, and what I, what really frustrates me at this point in my life is I have not been skinnier than I was at that time. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what I was, what I'm doing wrong now. 
<laughs> I was going to ask, you might have already said it. What is the gayest, highest dollar amount thing that you found on that list? Like, what is the most you spend on something stereotypically gay? You mentioned alcohol, so I was like, we, oh, we spend a lot on, on alcohol. I, 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 the, the, <laughs> when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to mind is I remember it was a, it was a Thursday that we were at. Cubs Park hanging oh, out with our friends. We were, at, we were at a local bar in Denver hanging out, and it was a random day of the week, nothing important. Got together for a couple of drinks, and then suddenly at 10 or 11, or no, it must have been 9. It must have been 9. Somebody said, hey, do you want to go dancing? And, of course, we're all like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so we all get to, decided to go dancing, and I didn't have the right clothing on that I thought. He was wearing needed. shorts, a T-shirt, and flip-flops. You don't go dancing in shorts, a <laughs> T-shirt, and flip-flops and whatever time of year it was. And um, so I looked at Dave, and I'm like, this is, this is an issue. So we hopped in their car because I think the mall closed at 9.30. Was that what it was? 9. 9.30. And uh, we hopped in the car, and he, like, goes straight from uh, uh, – downtown denver to uh, cherry creek in in, in uh, colorado uh, to the mall and uh, he goes through like several red lights and we run into this <laughs> mall go into diesel and at that point i'd been to that store so many times they knew my sizes and stuff and i run in there and i say i need that shirt i need those jeans and i need those shoes um they grabbed it for me we met at the dressing room and tried it on it was perfect and i spent how much did we spend over five hundred dollars <laughs> In, yeah. in, in like 15 minutes, he spent yeah. $500. We weren't in the store for very long, but I felt very cute when I went out that night. <laughs> <laughs> but no one knew, right, that 100% of that was financed. And on the inside, he was struggling with feelings of value because he knew how much credit card debt he had. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he tells the story of calling his dad, calling his parents in a panic uh, of what to do. And trying to figure out how am I going to pay all this off, and that was before we even had started to have the conversation ourselves. Yeah, so that, that's the gayest thing I can remember. <laughs> but again, I, it was all to mask the pain and to fit in. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then the second thing that we did was after we looked at our expenses and how we were spending our money, uh, and we our quality of life didn't feel like it should have on pa- based on what was on paper. Uh, we started to ask ourselves, what is it that we actually really want in life? Why are we renting a basement apartment? Uh, why are our finances so bad? Why are we uh, both in so much credit card debt? And why we, why aren't we as happy as, as our spending would otherwise suggest? Um, so, and that was a difficult conversation and a conversation we had for about you know three or four months till we finally realized um, that we wanted to save for a comfortable retirement um, and we weren't on target for that at all. Um, that we wanted to travel much more extensively, but we wanted to be able to come back from that travel and not have a credit card hangover or regret the entire trip altogether, um, as so often we did at that point. Um, and then we wanted to be able to give more of our time and money to the LGBTQ community, which to that point, anytime we donated money to the community, and we were often doing it because we felt like we had to do it, while we were helping out some portions of our, our community, we were also simultaneously sabotaging our own security. Um, so. Mm-hmm net it probably wasn't a win-win for everybody that's such an interesting part that that i feel as well i i feel very privileged in a lot of ways um especially financially and feel like i owe it to the community community to give back and i've been i don't have a job right now and i'm looking for one but have not had a job for a while and i'm like should i really be donating this money to other people or should i wait till i have a job but i I just still feel like but i'm so i've been so fortunate that i still feel like i I should, but I don't know. Yeah. Weighing that, like trying to give back and help other people versus like becoming stable yourself. Well, I think it's, it's brilliant that you're 
asking yourself the question. Oh, thank you. Now the challenge for you is to be honest with the answer. Yeah. And it's the, the correlation is, you know, they, you know, they always tell you to put your mask on before you put somebody else's mask on the plane. Right. So you can't give to other people unless your cup is actually running over. Um, mm. Otherwise you're only hurting yourself. So net it's that it, 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 no one's necessarily winning. So it's great that you're asking the question. Just have to be honest with yourself what the answer is. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if it feels selfish to, not give money, but you're right. Like sometimes it maybe, maybe it is selfish, but in a good way, in like a right. helpful way, in a way that's right. useful for me. Yeah. But, and, and taking, you know, this is one of the things that I think a lot of folks forget that taking care of your finances and putting your finances at a higher priority in your life is a form of self care because so many people forget that. And then, and they don't know what um, it's, they don't realize what it's like to actually take care of their finances and have that emotional stress put off. Mm. And uh, when you take care of yourself, when you're able to take care of yourself and you're in a good place, that's when you can really, you're really able to give wholeheartedly to other people. When you're struggling, when you're broke, you give begrudgingly. You give and you think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or you say, oh, well, if I were a better person, I could give even more, right? So all of your giving is with attachments rather than actually giving wholeheartedly. And when you take care of yourself, if we all were to take care of ourselves in that kind of sense, we w our community would be thriving a lot more than it is financially. I mean, another part of, we're talking about a lot of things that, you know, spending money in order to feel a part of us that doesn't feel okay or valid. And, and I mean, working on your mental and emotional health through whatever way, whether that's therapy or medication or all that good stuff, like actually working on your, your, your mental health can help you with your financial health because then you're less reliant on money to, to get that validation. Yeah. There's a study came out a couple of years ago that found that, um, uh, individuals who, die by suicide are eight times more likely to also have credit card debt. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, wow. Def there definitely is that mental health attachment to our financial situation. And when you think about it, you know, it's, it's so ingrained in us, especially in the gay community. If, like you said, if I don't, if I don't look fabulous, I must be the not, I must not be the right kind of gay. Nobody's going to like me. You know, I'm not at that. So then there's this, there's this compelling reason to spend, but it on, then on the inside, you feel worse and worse and worse as you realize how much money you don't have. And you think, oh, well, I should be better with my money. I should have a better job. And you just can go down this rabbit hole of feeling bad about who you really are because you're trying to live up to some standard. Yeah. And this is just a, a slice of, of, of our life. And it, like David said earlier, we, we work with a number of different LGBTQ folks who have all different backgrounds. And I remember when we were on the Queer Money Live tour um, in 2019, uh, we did a talk in Baltimore. And there was an individual there. They were a, uh, they were a trans individual and they were a uh, drag performer. And they had opened up to us that they had uh, spent a pretty penny on a very expensive pair of red bottom boots for their performance and they didn't have the money to, to buy those boots and they didn't uh they didn't have the money to buy food to pay you know for, for food on their table and that was just sort of an example of they felt like they needed to have those boots so that they could put on the best performance ever and really impress and inspire and motivate people in their own way but then the 
didn't, they were also sacrificing their, their, their physical health and their mental security um, by not having, you know, food and being able to pay for rent. Yeah. I, I think of gay people and, and queer people as very easy to tear each other down. And, and I wonder if part of that is, is, inherent in that too like if if i don't have the right outfit when i'm per- doing this drag performance then everyone else is going to think i'm ridiculous or or they're gonna call me things or, or what have you and you know i wonder if it's also part defense against you know the your own community uh being shitty to you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think there's absolutely truth to that and it as we mentioned we've mentioned it's 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 across all of the different spectrums, right? All of the, every individual is dealing with this based on the community that they're trying to be a part of. Cause there's, there's going to be judgments that happen in that community. We've, you just mentioned our, our community is extremely judgmental towards each other. It's so sad that we constantly say on the outside, you need to be treating me with equality, but on the inside, we don't necessarily treat each other with equality. Or ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, we're we're all dealing with that. The, it's sometimes it's important to just to take a step back and say, what is this? What is this really costing me? Right? And do I need to to be? And we see people do that on a regular basis. Sometimes it's their physical appearance. Sometimes just their mental health. They need to step back and say, this group of people or this Facebook group or this relationship is toxic, and I need to step away from it. Right? And so we can do that, especially when you're taught when your finances can become toxic for you. Yeah. So you've talked about he just said the word toxic and you didn't reference Brittany. I'm so uh, proud of you. Well, <laughs> I <laughs> I think at this point it's just assumed. It's just like I don't even have to do it. Everyone just heard. <laughs> um, you you've talked about some of the discussions and kind of planning that you did to to help yourselves. I'm curious what kind of like action steps you did that that you'd recommend as well, like uh, you know things that turned into how you changed behavior. Well, as John mentioned, one of the big things was asking that question of what do we really wanted out of life? Um, and with then we started kind of doing that with our spending as well. Does this spending fit into what we really want out of life? And that's when we decided, well, we don't need to have a new car every three years because we absolutely adore our 2006 Mini Cooper, which we still drive today. Yes, how dare we have a car that's 14 <laughs> years old, but guess what? We haven't had a car payment in the last eight years. And that $600 that we would have been paying towards a car payment has gone into our 401ks, which has built us up a retirement account that now is very comfortable for us. So it was kind of those, just making those small decisions. Why did, when we were shopping for our condo, uh, we had a real estate agent and, and lenders telling us, oh, you guys can afford three or four times the amount of money that you make. And we're like, well, we both work for the same company. We both work in the same industry. If something happens, we could be in a world of hurt if we had a four or $500,000 mortgage. Let's get something that we could, one of us could afford if one of us lost, that we could afford if one of us lost our job. Or if we both lost our jobs and we both needed to go to work at Starbucks or just get something, some work really quick that wasn't anywhere near what we were making, we could still afford to live where we were living. 
that was a, a, a one of the best decisions that we ever made was buying a home that didn't make us house poor. We maybe didn't ex experience as much of an increase as the market has gone up, but we also uh, were able to then put money into other things that brought us a quality of life that actually gave us long-term happiness rather than these short-term happinesses. And that's what we really were focusing on before was the short-term happinesses. Because, you know, those, those jeans and shoes and T-shirt that he bought on that trip to the mall probably maybe wore one or two more times. Well, not the jeans, but yeah, the t-shirt. The t-shirt only twice. He <laughs> couldn't be seen more than three times in that because <laughs> heaven forbid, right? And so we decided to say that's that was so temporary. What do we want that's more permanent? And that's when we started focusing on the more permanent things. It's funny you mentioned like the, the condo and the jobs. The, the week, this is a while ago now, but the week I closed on my condo was the same week I got laid off. So oh, no. I was like... Well, do I like back out and lose, you know, the, the money I've already put down? But yeah, it was uh, luckily everything worked out, but it was a, it was a very weird week. And then I tried to paint the inside of my condo myself and I had a mental breakdown, but that's unrelated to money. Was it because of the fumes? Or? <laughs> that might've played a part. Honestly, I like, I was like four days in and I was like, everything looks so bad. You can see how bad the edges are and I can't do this. And my friend had to be like, you need to stop for a second. <laughs> you need to chill out. Edges are hard. <laughs> well, I, I wanted, I wanted to ask, it feels to me like younger people, which I'm around because of my fraternity work. Uh, I have a lot of friends in their early to mid twenties and they're struggling to get the temporary stuff down, much less the permanent happinesses that you were talking about before. What what advice can you give to them uh, who they're not even thinking they've given up on the idea of ever owning a home because it's so far out of reach for them, or at least it feels like it, given today's economy and how much debt they have coming out of school? Um, what what do they do? What are they supposed to do? Yeah, so I think we're in a new space now, and I don't know that the standard advice that you want to get a home and, and pay it off and, and all that it makes sense for a lot of people. A lot in lots of areas, homes are way overpriced. Um, the real estate market is pretty wonky, and um, with the way that the gig economy, uh, maybe more so before the pandemic, but we're still seeing growth in the gig economy now. Um, it almost doesn't make sense to buy a home um, hmm. for lots of people. So unless you're planning on being in the same location for five, 10, 15 years, and you're going to have kids and you need some stability and all that, it, it might not make sense. So my suggestion would be to don't apply your grandfather's financial advice to your life. Listen to it, absorb it and see if it makes sense for you and for now. Um, but think about, um, maybe think about a little bit differently than uh, previous generations might have. I would also say that uh, every single dollar we spend is a choice, right? And the, the choices that we make have a compounding effect on each other. And we know folks who are uh, living in very expensive cities because they feel like they have to, right? Because they feel like that's the only safe place. Now, granted, I will agree that there are places that are safer than others, but there are sometimes some of the choices that we make that are uh, flavored by fear 
or flavored by a desire, but they actually aren't the best choice for us. There's lots of places to live, even within your own city, that don't have to be as expensive. Uh, there are, you know, I, I think about places like Hell's Kitchen, uh, the Castro in San Francisco, uh, and places in LA where they are the hot neighborhoods now where they have million dollar homes or multi-million dollar homes. And you see folks who have lived in those neighborhoods for 20 or 30 years selling their homes with and making these huge amounts of profit. Well, think back to when they bought their homes. Those neighborhoods were not the desirable neighborhoods. So do you know, are we trying to live a life of current uh, fabulousness and for that reason, giving up on some opportunities further on down the line. Um, you know, I, we know folks who are spending 40, 50, 60% of their take-home pay on an apartment so that they can live in the right neighborhood, right? They don't have a car. They take public transportation. The reason they're doing that is because they're spending $2,500 a month on a one-bedroom apartment. Maybe if they made a different choice, the cho those choices could accumulate, better choices could accumulate to the point where they would have the money to make some of those more permanent long-term purchases. And I would also argue that um, I think you can't necessarily rely on a single source of income anymore. Um, and I don't think any of us should rely on uh, a W-2 employer uh, as much as maybe previous generations have. Uh, so, I, so regardless of what it is you do in your professional job, it would really behoove all of us to, uh, to the extent that we can, to invest more in the stock market, invest more in real estate and whatever uh, flavor that makes sense for you, whether it's uh, in REITs or you're buying rent, you're, uh, buying rental properties, um, or even uh, renting out your own uh, a room in your own apartment, and then also think about what side of a part-time or full-time business of your own can you start, acquiring uh, additional income. Uh, initially from your own business that could maybe become uh, something that you sell down the road. So if you've got sort of those multiple streams of income, those multiple forms of investment, um, diversifying that and increasing all of those uh, in tandem with your W-2 makes more sense now though than, to, uh, than ever. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's almost becoming imperative at this point. I, I would say also for, for folks who are in a situation where you're feeling uncomfortable financially, and we all get there. There are times when John and I even feel uncomfortable financially, especially with this year with COVID and uh, the, the loss of income that many people have felt, we have felt too. It, talking about and opening up to a confidant or someone who you trust and, and can share this kind of stuff with is, is very cathartic and also you, when you share what you're dealing with, whether it's uh, a win or a challenge, when you share that, other people will learn from it. We have a Facebook group called Queer Money, and we're just amazed at how many people in the community now are finally starting to open up and feel comfortable talking about their financial situation. We don't have to hide our financial situations. I mean, the reality is, is you know, 60% of people who have come into that group have told us that their number one concern is credit card debt. If you think you're the only person dealing with credit card debt, you're not. If you think you're the only person dealing with overwhelming student loan debt, you're not. 
But if you try to hide it and isolate it and de- and uh, and don't learn from other people or share what you're what was working for you, we can never learn as a community. We all just isolate, right? And by working on it as a community, by sharing it with each other, is just an amazing way to understand how other people are dealing with it and winning. And those wins really can motivate you to do better. And Honeyfy has done a couple of studies over the last couple of years. It's a, Honeyfy is a, a budgeting app that helps couples or uh, groups manage money together. And uh, the last two or three studies have shown that uh, same-sex couples who talk about money often report having considerably better sex lives than those who don't. Mm-hmm. So if you oh. need any other reason to talk about money, <laughs> better sex is probably the best way you can get it. So I should send my net worth to everyone on Grinder. Is this what you're <laughs> saying to me? That's what I heard. Well, I mean, I don't know. Send it to me and let me know. I'll tell you. <laughs> depends. I guess it depends on if it's good. I, I really think what's go- going on there is that when you talk to your, your partner or partners about your financial situation. And what's interesting is, uh, is that folks in polyamorous relationships are more likely to talk about money than folks who are not, because hmm. it's harder to hide your financial situation when you're in a, let's say, for example, a closed triad. Those three people, they need to talk about their finances together because there's a, there's a, a, that additional person makes it a little bit more, uh, add some complexity to it, right? But the more we talk about um, our financial situation with someone we're with, our partner or partners, means that we trust that person. When we trust somebody and they trust us, we feel closer to them. When we feel closer to them, we're going to hold their hand when we're sitting on the couch watching the Golden Girls. We're going to cuddle more often. All of that leads to what many of us want, and that's the big O. <laughs> Oprah? Oprah? Yes. <laughs> Don't call her big. <laughs> David Donovan. Yeah? Yeah. Did we do it? Yeah. Yeah, we solved it for everyone. Every, nobody has any more debt. They we fixed it. Everything, everything figured out. <laughs> it's fixed. Yeah. Um, should we take a break? Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. I'm going to put it on my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> So are we back? We're back. We're back. Uh, <laughs> we are going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, David and John, the debt-free guys, where can people find out more about you and your show and what you're up to? Thank you for asking. We are um, at debtfreeguys.com, and then we're uh, debt-free guys on all the social media platforms. We also have the Queer Money podcast, uh, which is at queer.money, and all the standard podcasting platforms that podcasts are housed on. And we also have uh, Queer Money on all the social media platforms, I think, that are available, right? Except for Twitter. Except for Twitter. We've ignored Twitter with the Mm. Queer Money one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we ignore Twitter. No, we don't. Kyle does all the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Our website, though, is gayishpodcast.com. We are at gayishpodcast on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, (laughs) Instagram, and we also have a Discord, which is popping and really fun our hotline you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails is 5855-GAYISH that's 585-542-9474 standard rates apply do we have a money section in discord no oh well sorry okay you have to go to the queer money podcast then to talk about it you can't talk about it with us um our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com and our physical mailing address is post office box 19882 seattle washington 98109 
Let's do our gayest and straightest. Let's do our gayest and straightest. I'm going to start. Great. Great. The straightest thing about me this week is I fucked up my back squatting mass heavy, bro. <laughs> I'm on I'm on painkillers and I'm walking around here like an old man. I, 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 I'm going to have to lay down when we're done doing this because I've been sitting upright too long. I, I just fucked up my back. Too much lifting. You said that's your straightest much, That actually could be the gayest thing, too. Like, what are you squatting on exactly? That could make it gay. <laughs> well, I was thinking like taking drugs could be the gayest, but. Well, yeah, that's, that's true, too. <laughs> so many options uh the gayest thing about me this week i went and met a fraternity brother who's new to seattle and was interested in in asking questions about the fraternity here um what, what makes it gay though was how totally closeted i was talking to him until i got any sort of indication whether he was on board with gay people or not mm. i had no idea and i just i noticed a like oh fuck i'm broing it up right now feeling <laughs> like that gay panic of like am i am i acting too gay um anyway yeah. like the voice that i get when i talk to my parents that's a little bit different <laughs> somehow but like i'm not that gay mom and dad it's cool um my uh gayest is i've started to get into idle games which i think is the gayest games you can play because i don't want to shoot people i don't want to like i basically want to tap shit wait you mean the <laughs> games that you don't play right well like, you play it by touching things okay. like oh i gotta use cotton to make more like sweaters and i'm waiting for my sweaters to get done so then i can make a thing that then people buy and okay. that helps me buy more cotton and this is a video game there uh i uh, there are apps <laughs> on your phone <laughs> that i get tired i get bored of very quickly so that's another gay part of it like <laughs> after a while i get bored of it and then i download a different idol game <laughs> uh the straightest thing um is i'm very bad at uh cleaning and keeping up my place so i only just clean my microwave and maybe the first time since i've lived in my place <laughs> and boy <laughs> it's like man it was so disgusting i <laughs> yeah but it's great it's i mean and by clean i mean i got like a paper towel and was like woo, 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 oh. and that was like that's clean now so <laughs> uh david or john who wants to go next i'll go this is david um so the straightest thing that i did uh recently uh we were in zion national park uh, taking a couple of days off we are we live in las vegas and drove up to meet some friends and uh i found myself looking at pickup trucks and fantasizing about having a pickup truck. And mm -hmm. I was surprised at how I was attracted to the more, I don't know, muscly looking trucks, I guess you might say. Butch? The butch yes, trucks? the more butch <laughs> trucks, right, exactly. <laughs> so I was feeling a little, I guess, extra testosterone. Maybe that was from all the hiking we did. I don't know what was going <laughs> yeah. on there. <laughs> right. uh, and the gayest thing that I did uh, recently was... Um, I am not a fashion person. I am not, I don't dress well or anything like that, but I went into the closet and I picked out a set of clothes for my husband to wear when we went to breakfast the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so cute. It was so okay. <laughs> Coming into my closet, dressing me. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, John. What about you? The gayest thing that I've done recently, and I'm glad you didn't steal mine, um, was <laughs> last Sunday we watched, uh, probably for me, is like the 12th time, um, Steel Magnolias. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And we mostly yeah. watched it because I needed a really good scene, and that scene where uh, Sally Fields in the cemetery loses it gets me every time. Mm-hmm. So, I've never um, seen it. I haven't seen it either. You haven't <laughs> seen it? No. 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 I mean, I guess I also could have said we just watched Golden Girls last night, but that's so... Oh, okay. I've seen redundant. all of that. We do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, on, we're on round four of watching that over the last five years, I think. <laughs> Nice. Um, probably the straightest thing that I've done recently was I tried to close the cabinet door the other day and it didn't close right. And my first instinct was to kick it. And then I kicked it and it closed. And everybody was all the better for it. <laughs> yeah. Solve things through violence. Rah. Yeah. Rah. He kicked it while standing on one tiptoe, pushing it back. <laughs> I mean, it was a pirouette to be sure, but, you know, whatever. Nobody could hear that part. It still counts. <laughs> Well, that's it. A special thank you this week to David and John, the debt-free guys from the Queer Money Podcast. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Do you have any thank yous, Kyle? No, thanks to money for, you know, being helpful. Well, I was going to say thank you to Sam Smith so I could practice their pronouns again. Oh, great. And, and not fuck it up this time. You did it. I did it. And and thank <laughs> you to Susie Orman, I guess, because her name is not Suze. As we talked earlier, <laughs> Susie. Uh, that's it. This has been Gayish. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. Bye. I have a pretty gay thing. <laughs> Don't steal my gay thing. Yes. Although I do lots of gay things. So yeah, you'll you steal do. my gay thing. I have <laughs> arsenal to choose from. I did help you put the beautiful screens together. Yeah. Right. Oh, and I got you the drill. <laughs> I went to the cabinet and got you the got drill. Got me the... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a drill. It's... <laughs> He laughs at me because I don't know the names of tools. I use the sounds. (laughs) (laughs) That's great.